it's a wonderful thing that God's doing, and I, I appreciate so much his, his work among us. And um, I appreciate the opportunity to preach today, by the way. And um, I want to share with you, uh, I, maybe you've seen this before, uh, the term under new management. How many of you, have you seen that before, under new management? Under new management. You know, we have all kinds of opportunities for that to be the case. And, uh, and you may know that if you've ever seen that, you can, I don't know if you've looked at that and thinking, well, if there's a problem before, I don't know if I want to go into that restaurant now. I've seen it mostly in restaurants, but I'm thinking, do I want to go back? You know, I mean, is it okay? You know, is the management better? And so that kind of thing. I mean, under new management. And certainly we have new opportunities that come our way all the time. Uh, New beginnings, you might say. And so I hope that this morning I can help you with becoming under new management. Now, the book of Ephesians, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to have a word of prayer in just a moment to get into the message, but in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians basically has three messages overall in the book, and that is that it talks about the believer's exalted position through grace. Boy, aren't you glad for the grace of God? I'll tell you what, God's grace is a one, we sing about it all the time. It's a wonderful part of God's ministry to us. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And we can sing about marvelous grace. And God's grace is wonderful. That's one of the messages. Number two is the truth concerning the body of Christ. The body of Christ being the church. And we can, we can talk about that in the book of Ephesians. And then the book of Ephesians talks about a walk uh, that uh, according to the position that we have in Christ, how we should live now that we have Christ as our Savior. And so the book of Ephesians covers these, these major, common, common major things, but uh, topics. But maybe you've seen a sign that, that sign that says under new management. And I want you to think about that as we look at Ephesians chapter 2 because I'll, I'll never forget the day when God took over in my life and put the sign on my life under new management. I'm telling you what, I was managed and controlled and I had made a mess of my life, but God came in and changed me and as a result, he began to control me. And I'm telling you, I'm so glad today that every one of us here in this room, in the balcony and on the floor and online, we can all come under new management if we'll turn it over to Christ. As a matter of fact, If you're saved today, that's exactly what's happened to you. And if you're not saved today, God wants to help you with that today, and you're in the right place. Let's pray together as we go into his word. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to listen to your word today and how you've burdened my heart. God, you've you've given me this message, Father, today. And I pray, God, you'd help us, help me just to stand aside, let you speak through me, God, and may this message be one that all of us hear to see that we need you and we need you to put the sign on us under new management. God, use this in our hearts and lives. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. You know, I've, I've also seen this sign under new management on the, on the vehicle that was taking a newly married couple away from the marriage ceremony, into their honeymoon, and on the back it said, under new management. I've seen it in that situation as well. So this term can fit several situations, but here's what happens whenever it occurs in most situations. First of all, 
they, there is a, an observation of a situation that needs to be changed. In other words, the situation generates the need for new management. Whatever situation is occurring at that moment is not a good situation and it needs to change. And then when that situation is evaluated, after it's looked at and everything's looked at, there is a solution offered for the situation. And that solution is something that is considered. And then when that solution is applied, the business is saved and continues to be in service under a new management. That's exactly the threefold process that occurs in this idea of being under new management. May I say to you today that in every one of our lives, we find ourselves or we found ourselves in a situation that needed a solution. Would you look at uh, verse 1 through 4? And you... Hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin? Wherein in time past she walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, but God. And we'll stop right there for this point. Notice, first of all, you see that we were dead. Now, I know that you're breathing today, okay? You're in this room, you're occupying space, and you're breathing God's air. So I know physically you may be alive, but listen to me this morning. Some of you, some of us may be spiritually dead. May I say a dead person does not respond to stimulus. If you were to, to touch a person or poke a person that's dead or any dead body, any uh, animal that's dead, they, they don't respond to stimulus. May I say spiritually, when you're dead, you cannot, you don't respond to stimulus. There's nothing there that, that you have in you that, that causes you to respond. But notice verse 1 of chapter 2 says, and you have he quickened. Now the word quickened means made alive. You know, there's a day when I was dead. There's a day when I was unresponsive to stimuli. In other words, I was, I was totally uh, uh, unaware of what God may be doing in my life. The spiritual world was like a thing far off. I even rarely thought about it. Maybe in your life and mine, there's been a time when you just don't even give spiritual thoughts a thought. You just kind of push it in the back of your mind and, and you're dead to it. But let me tell you something. God can and will move into your life and quicken you if you allow him to. Notice what causes you to be dead. First of all, you've got trespasses. Now, trespasses are, how many of you ever trespassed on private property? Everybody ever done that? How many, okay, you, you're trespassers. You see that? Let's give them a ticket. I mean, let's go ahead and take care of this matter. Well, if you, how many of you ever trespassed accidentally? I mean, you found yourself on somebody's property. You didn't know it was, you were not supposed to be there. Well, I found, I remember one time I was on private property. I rode my four-wheeler on private property. Now, how many of you have a four-wheeler? Okay, you know that's fun, right? That's fun. I was out on a four-wheeler driving, just minding my own business like I always do, and all of a sudden this truck comes up, to, I mean squalling, I mean put the slam, the brake on, slid sideways, got out, and uh, he, was, uh, he was packing. And it, well, I'm not talking about packing lunch either, okay? He was packing. And it, woo, I'm thinking, woo. And he said, who are you? 
And I thought, yo, I mean, all of a sudden I realized that this trespass was an offense. Let me say to you, you a trespass is a deviation from truth. That's all it is. It doesn't take, you may not be, trespassing is just a deviation from truth. You may say, well, I know the boundaries, but I'm just going to go ahead. Or I don't know the boundaries, and I'm just going to, it's just a trespassing from truth. But notice he says, you were dead in your trespasses, and that's a minor offense. It's really a minor thing. But this guy was making a major deal out of it. You know, of course, I was, uh, you know, I was glad that I was able to apologize and, you know, kind of get out of there. My point is, you, trespassing seems to be a minor offense. But then he says, and sins. Now, sins is a little different. See, when you're in trespass, it's an inward element producing acts of disobedience to divine law. In other words, there's something inside of you that makes you want to violate the, the law of God. We call that the sin nature. We call that the old Adam. We call that the person in you that makes you want to, to, to do wrong. How many of you say, I've got, a, I've got an urge to do wrong that I have to fight? You've got, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you've got, you've got something that's inside you that attracts you to the things that are wrong. The Bible tells us that at one point you were dead, and what caused you to be dead were those trespasses and sins that were in your life, the disobedience in your life and the rejection of Jesus Christ. May I say to you, the, it goes on, he says, we were dead, but we are also disobedient. Would you look at verses uh, 2 and 3? It says, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now worketh the children of disobedience. In other words, you, were, you and I, not only were we dead, but what caused us to be dead was our disobedience. We were disobedient to a holy God. But notice, keep going in verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, that's lifestyle, in the lust of our flesh. Notice that, whoa. That's an, uh, I mean, that's tough. Lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. Would you look at that? First of all, the three sources of our behavior. Now, our, so our situation, first of all, we're dead. Our situation now is that not only are we dead, but we're living in disobedience. We're disobedient. May I say, you say, boy, David, you're really trying to make us look out like we're bad folks. Let me tell you something. Before Jesus moves in, we are. And the problem is we don't want to make ourselves out like we really are. We want to smooth over, make us feel better about ourselves. But I want you to notice what causes. You say, wait a minute, David, I'm not so bad. Oh, yes, you are. Don't you check off. Don't you strike through your name on this list. Let me tell you something. Every one of us needs to understand where we are without Christ. And notice what he says. There's three sources of our behavior, three sources of our disobedience. Number one, it's the prince of the air. Look at there. It says, and we were, uh, according to the prince of the power of the air. Now, do I need to tell you who, do, who that is? Who is the prince of the power of the air? Satan himself. Do you understand that Satan wants to trip you up? Do you understand that Satan is not your friend? Do you understand that Satan puts within you and puts in front of you opportunities to be disobedient? Do you understand that Satan is, the, that when you follow him, you're doing wrong, you're going against God, and that's one of the sources of your disobedience and mine. Whenever I was living against God, it was because Satan was tempting me. By the way, he's not omniscient, he's not all-knowing, but the more he learns about you, the more effective he is in tripping you up. He finds your weakness, and he goes right after that weakness. He doesn't play fair, and he is a prince 
of the power there. Look at number, the third, the second source is in verse 3. It says, the lusts of our flesh. Now, I don't need to be too descriptive on this, but let me tell you something. Every one of us have lustful desires that are natural to our sinful man. You understand that? We have desires that are lust of the flesh. That means of our bodies. It means right here in the world. By the way, everything that is of the world is temporal. It will not last forever. But God tells us that there, we, we are disobedient. We're also disobedient because desires of flesh and mind. Your mind can lead you and cause you to disobey and be disobedient. You say, wait a minute. What about my mind? God knows that we, he made us with a mind different than that of animals. You understand you have a moral choice capability that animals don't have we have the right in our mind by the way Colossians chapter 2 tells us that Satan goes after our mind because that's one of the areas where God has made us in his likeness and that we can choose right and wrong in our lives and God says I want you to know that your mind and the lust of the flesh are, and Satan's power and temptation is what's causing us to be disobedient and he said he said in verse 1 he said and you have he quickened who were dead now, let me say this. You don't have to stay in that case. Notice, but look in verse 4. We're not only are we dead, not only disobedient, but, uh, but oh, uh, verse 4 says we're doomed. Verse 4 says, but God. In other words, that's a new direction for us. A new direction for us. God, but God. Notice verse 4 says, but God who is rich in mercy. And I want you to know today that God has promised us mercy if we will ask him to forgive us. Isn't that wonderful? Do you understand what, what mercy is? Mercy is when God gives us uh, what we, what, uh, God does not give us what we deserve. And grace is when God gives us what we do not deserve. I'm telling you, I don't deserve heaven, do you? But God gives us that. So notice he, he's given us mercy. But God, notice John 3.18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is what? Condemned already. Do you understand that by not believing in Jesus Christ, you are already condemned? I mean, you're doomed for, for hell. And God tells us this over and over again in Scripture. And God wants us not to do that. We also, God is trying to then offer us a solution. Notice our situation. Our situation's sad. We're, we're, we're dead. We're disobedient. We're depraved by nature, children of wrath, and we're doomed. I'm telling you what, that sounds a really like a really bad situation. It sounds like a situation that needs to be remedied. It sounds like a situation that needs a solution. And I'm glad to tell you today that though I brought you to the fact of this, of this such difficult situation, there is a solution that God offers. Aren't you glad to know that? Look in verse 4. Look in verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy and for his great love wherein he hath loved us. Do you understand that God loves you? God loves us. God loves me. Now would you say that with me? Say God loves me together. Ready? God loves me. Now let the thought of that sink in. Who are you? The Bible says that God, what is man? That God is mindful of him. That God even considers him. But yet God sent his son on the cross, John 3, 16. He gave his only begotten son because he loves 
you. And he loves me. I'm telling you, I'm not deserving of his grace and mercy. I'm not deserving that he expresses his love the way he does. But God has a solution to your situation today. He has a solution for your need today. And that need is, first of all, acknowledging that God loves you. God loves me. You say, he really loves me? Yes, he loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his son for you. Not only does he love us, but verse 5 tells us he gives us life. Notice in verse 5, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved. Notice he lifts us. Not only does he give us, not only does he love us, not only does he give us life, but he lifts us. Notice the word given life, the word quicken there, mean made us alive and he made us alive in Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus Christ is the word of God incarnate. He is the word made flesh. He is this word in a body. Jesus Christ came and gave himself. He expressed his love for us that he, and he wanted to make us alive through Jesus Christ. The reason and the way he makes us quickened, the, the way he makes us alive is through the eternal life that is found in Jesus Christ. Think of it. Jesus is the only human that he came back from earth and now lives in heaven eternally after dying. You understand God has plans for us to one day live eternally with him. We'll get to that in a moment. But understand that God has a solution. First, he loves us. Okay, first he loves us. Then he gives us life. He quickens us in verse 5. But then verse 6 says, he lifted us. So the solution is, uh, he lifts us. Notice what's in verse 6, he says, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has a, man, uh, he has a solution for our dreadful situation, and the solution is that he loves us, all right, that he's going to give us life, and he's going to lift us up from where we are. You know, the, the dredge of sin is, is pulls us down. Satan, all he wants to do is destroy. He wants to completely take your life and take it down a road that you know and everyone around you knows is a wrong road for you. And God and Satan just wants to destroy everything about you. He wants to take everything that Jesus wants to make beautiful and he wants to destroy it. Listen to me. Satan wants to do that in your life. And may I say, if you don't know Jesus Christ, that's exactly where you are right now. You're dead. You're dead in your trespasses and sin. You're dead. You're doomed. And God says, I have a solution. My solution is Jesus Christ on the cross. I love you. I'm going to show it on the cross. I'm going to give you life. If you'll trust me as your Savior, I'm going to give you life. And then I'm going to lift you to a new position. You understand we are made joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. When God lifts you out of the miry pit that you find yourself on, when he sets your feet on solid rock and he establishes your goings, let me tell you something. God does a work that lifts you. And let me say it's, wow, when that burden of sin is lifted off of you when you accept Jesus, how do you remember that day? I had someone say to me, I just couldn't hardly explain it. I had someone text me this week. I'm not going to steal his thunder. But one of our Way of the Master students had an opportunity to lead someone to Jesus over the phone. Yeah. Well, David, I just don't believe 
They can get saved over the phone. Just watch. You can get saved anywhere. And let me tell you what God does. He loves you. He gives you life. And he lifts that burden and he lifts you to a new position in him. Let me tell you, we are joint heirs. We are the sons of God. We have all kinds of new position. It's all kinds of newness around us whenever we accept Christ. And that's his solution. His solution is that we be raised up together with him and made to sit in heavenly places. So first of all, we see our situation, and boy, it's bad. Then we see the solution. That's through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And then thirdly, the glorious salvation of the saints. You know that's a wonderful thing to think about. Look in verse 7. That in the ages to come, now I'm not sure what that phrase means, but can I just camp on that a little bit? The ages to come. We know we're talking about the future, right? We also know that we're talking about ages of time. In other words, there's going to be a long time and a lot of, lot of years, a lot of times in the future. As a matter of fact, I believe it may be talking about the ages of, uh, in the future, that what he's talking about is maybe even into eternity. And he says, notice what he says, that in ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. First of all, he gives us a new destination. I'm so excited I'm not going to hell. I mean, really, I'm not going to hell. God has decided that when I put my faith and trust in him, he was going to give me a new destination, and that place is called heaven. And heaven is a place where God dwells. As a matter of fact, not only does God dwell there, but he wants all of us to dwell there who know him with him. He wants us there with him. He wants us to live in heaven with him. And God says, I'm going in the ages to come, I'm going to show my exceeding riches. I'm telling you what, I think heaven's going to be a pretty cool place. I believe that when Jesus has said, he's, I go to prepare a place for you, I believe what he's got prepared will exceed the imagination. matter of fact, I have not seen, neither hath it been, ear hath not heard, and it exceeds even our thoughts what God prepared for us. Let me tell you something. God is preparing a place that is unbelievable, and we've got a new destination. You know, think about it. If we're not living for Jesus, our destination, and the best we can hope for is what this earth offers. Because anything past earth for us when we die in our sins is much worse than earth. The very best you can have if you're lost today and you're dead in your trespasses and sin is what you can get right here. So you better get every good thing you can while you're here on earth because after, after if you die in your sin, and I pray that no one does, hell is a real place. It's a real destination for real people if they choose. But you understand, God says, hey, I've designed a new destination for you. You don't have to worry about going to that awful place. He says, by the way, I've kind of given it a name. Number one, he talks about our forever home. 
You've heard kids talk about that. I'm, I'm, I've got my home here, and I'm going to sell it, and then I'm going to build, and then I'm going to buy another one and sell it and make off of that. Then I'm going to build my forever home. Well, let me tell you something. Our forever, forever home being prepared by Jesus. John 14, 6 says that, let not your heart be, 14, 3 says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Brother John's mentioned that to you, rooms in, he, in the house with God. I'm telling you what, that's pretty good. Uh, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Listen to me. We have a forever home, and that home is with Jesus Christ that's been prepared for him, prepared for you, and if you don't have to die in your sin, you can go to heaven and live with Jesus, a forever home. Secondly, our, it's our faithful heavenly Father is what he's talking about. Notice what he says, that I might show my exceeding riches and kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. What are you talking about? I'll tell you what he's talking about. He's talking about our lives here on earth. He's talking about trophies of grace. Think about it. Whenever you get saved and you begin to change, you know how it is. How many of you, when God saved you, you just couldn't hardly recognize yourself? You, you had different desires. You had different goals. It changed your direction where you were headed. It changed your decisions. Your choices were different. You had different, you know, different plans. And God just changed you totally. And you know what happened? Other people noticed that. And that's a trophy that God can point to. Let me say this. God's grace comes into your life and changes you so much that as you walk about, there's trophies of grace. Let me also say this. Think of the life of Job who went through some very difficult times. He was a trophy of grace because God chose him and God said, you know, I'm going to make him a, a, a testimony against Satan and what Satan can do in life and I'm going to show how I can restore. Let me say to you today, are you going to be someone that God can brag on and say, look at this because of my grace, this person. I believe there's a, there's a trophies of grace. The church, us, exceeding riches of his grace, I believe we're trophies of that. How many of you would say to me, boy, if I didn't have Jesus in my heart, I don't know where I would be. And let me tell you this, I've been to funerals, and I've been to, I've visited folks in funerals that didn't know Jesus. That person that passed away was not saved. How many have ever been in that situation? Let me tell you what's tough is whenever you have to, as a pastor, minister to that family. I don't know what people do when they go through a loss of a loved one without someone, the church loving on them and Jesus being with them. I don't know how that happens. I'm going to tell you, God shows himself up with exceeding grace in those moments. So not only, not only do we have a new destination, but we have a new designation. Now, this is all part of, of what's happening when we get, come at a new New, uh, new management. Look at verses 8 and 9. For by grace are ye what? Saved. Now, some reason, we've gotten where we don't like Bible terms for whatever reason. That word saved is a great Bible term that you need to be comfortable with. And when people aren't comfortable with it, I got to ask them why. It shows up all over Scripture. I won't take you to all the places it shows up. But let me, he says, For by grace are ye saved, notice, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Let me say this. We are designated, and that designation is 
saved. Let me tell you someday, one day you, can, you may walk into this church today and you're lost. Now the word lost means that you're dead in your trespasses and sin, that you're depraved, that you're disobedient. That's all being described in your situation. Your situation may be that you're lost and without Jesus Christ here today. Let me say to you, that situation, God has a solution for you. That solution is that you can come to know Jesus Christ through his love, grace, and mercy, and you can leave here with a brand new salvation that he offers every one of us. Let me say this to you. He has a new designation, and that is saved. Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me say this to you very quickly. You're saved through faith by the grace of God and in Jesus Christ alone. There's no works you can, that can save you. Let me say this. You don't have to try to clean yourself up first either. There have been people I've talked to who say, well, when I get this straight in my life, I'll get, I'll know when I do this, when, when I do this. Let me tell you something. Satan will never let you do that. It'll never happen. God says, I come just as I am, just as I am. You know, we got to take the ugly and the pretty, all right? I mean, just as I am, come as I am, and God will save you today. I'm telling you what, I, I just love the fact that God saved me. There's a glorious salvation for the saints, and that we can be saved today. I get so excited. I'm telling you, we're talking about winning these battles. I'm going to tell you, the battle belongs to the Lord. I'm so glad I can stand behind Jesus and say, take him on. I'm telling you, Satan, you want to do battle with me? Let me just stand behind Jesus, take him on, try it out with him. He's going to whoop you in the end very bad, okay? I mean, tell you, God, we know who wins in the end, don't we? And let me tell you, let him win in your life today. Will you just, just put Satan aside and allow the Holy Spirit to deal in your life and make the decision God wants you to do? Because first of all, he gives us a new destination. Then he gives us a new designation. That is, we're saved. And I like that Bible term, we're saved. I once was lost, but now I'm found or saved. And I'm so glad I'm saved. Look, but then he gives us a new direction. You know, once you get saved, you don't just sit back and soak. Saved, soak. And if you just sit back and you save, you're saved and you soak. You know what, you know what happens to corn when it gets wet and it soaks up that water and it just sits back? That old corn just kind of lays there in the bucket and it gets wet and soaks up. And before long, it does what we call sours. And I've seen people get, claim to get saved, and they sit back and do nothing, and before long they're soured. And maybe they've had a position in the church that made them convince them they were saved. Maybe they were recognized for their personal leadership or some kind of uh, accomplishment they've had out in the world, but they're lost. But they claim they're saved. Let me tell you something. If there's not fruit of that salvation, I would be, I'd be very careful. Now listen to me, if you're saved, God's given you a new direction. What are you talking about? Look at this. Look in verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Now God is now, you understand, God can speak things into, into our lives, and God can speak things into, but when a workmanship, that means that we are something that he's molding and shaping special, for a special use. God is personally dealing with you. You know, we have a, a very 
very personal God that's interested in what's going on in our lives. And he has a, he has a desire for your life, a personal plan. And he's personally designing you. We are his workmanship. Secondly, his workmanship is then created in Jesus unto good works. God said, if you're saved, I have a new direction for you. I'm going to mold you into a person that I want you to be. Then you're going to become the doing good works that I have intended for you to do. I'm so glad that God has a special direct, I mean, I'm kind of a slow guy, so you got to spell it out. And God has spelled it out exactly what he wants me to do. And when God gives you that, he says he's your work, his workmanship, he's, he's good works, and he said, which God before hath ordained. You understand, I'm, ordained, I'm an ordained pastor. I've gone through the examination, guys, have, but let me say, each one of you are God-ordained, saved church members. Every one of us. God has an ordained purpose for your life. And he says you have a new direction. Your new direction he, is good works and you're God-ordained. Now, let me say this. I'm so glad that God looked at my situation a number of years ago and said, David, buddy, you're dead. You're disobedient. Man, you're depraved. You're doomed. But God. Then he offered me this solution. He said, I still love you. You're ugly, but I still love you. You're not doing right, but I still love you. And I want to give you my, I want to give life in that dead person you are. I want to bring you to life. And I want to lift you to where I can use you. And then I want to take you to a new destination. And I want to give you a new dimension in your life. I could have gone there. I mean, God just wants to open you up and let you serve. And I'm so glad God said, David, I don't want you to do what you planned in your own plans and make a bunch of money. Not that God, God blessed me, taking care of me. I'm not at all disappointed in God's care for me. Do you understand what I'm saying? But I, I was set out at one time, I was going to make money. Nothing wrong with making money. But may I say that wasn't God's plan for me. And God called me in the ministry, and I'm telling you what, I'm so glad he did. Because I know that's what God called me to do. Now listen to me. He gives you that, and then he begins to produce in you. It's not me. It's God producing good works in me. It's God producing. I'm his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus under good works to be ordained. He ordained it. He puts his hand on it. Let me tell you something. What you want today is God's hand on your life. You can't be the dad you should be without God's hand on your life. You, you're trying to live a, a live man's life, but you're dead. And God says, I want to bless your life. I want to put my hand on your life. You can't be the mama you should be without God's hand on your life. You can't be the church member you should be without God's hand on your life. Oh, some of us just want to put our toe in and say, oh, I just want to get saved, get fire insurance. Just keep me from hell. God, that's all. We're good. No, you're not good. You're not good. God wants all of you. Now, listen to me. It's time we get serious about this matter of letting God do the work in our hearts. Now, I believe this to, with all my heart. God gave me this message this morning for somebody here this morning. And I want to I talk to you about it. Maybe you're in a serious situation. Maybe you're dead and disobedient. And you need to recognize your situation. You need to open your eyes to who you really are and the, the wrong you really are capable of. Capable of. Satan will keep you and take you longer than you want to be, be kept. 
He would mess your life up so bad if you let him. Number two, do you need to accept his generous solution today? <laughs> Come and accept his love, demonstrated on the cross, and the life he now offers you in Jesus Christ through faith. Nothing you can do. You can't do, earn it. You can't do anything. And number three, are you enjoying the glorious salvation today? Are you celebrating in the salvation that Jesus gives you today? I believe there's someone here today that needs to respond, and I'm going to pray according to that. You choose, you do business with God as he's moved you.